0: Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. All right, that was fun. You're looking at the future. It's scary. It's a little scary. All right. Adorable, adorable. And did you notice, did you notice the, the little ones down there who were leading them? They've got children in this church leading the other kids. Uh, That young man that was in the striped shirt, that red striped shirt, that was twice he did that in that service. Uh, uh, He wasn't scared at all. Uh, It was awesome. Seven weeks from now, we'll launch our legacy campaign. And our goal is to raise, let me say it again, to you, $5 million in a 1,000 days because we want to build a 23,000-square-foot building for our children to get them in this facility. We want to do that debt-free we want to pay the mortgage for three years in here, and we want to pay down principal. That's what we're trying to do. It's very, very simple uh, in terms of, of the goal. Um, and this will be our third major campaign, our third major campaign in 23 years. Um, and this one, I think, is the most doable and the most important uh, because it's an investment in our, in our future. If you uh, weren't able to attend any of the vision nights that we had, um, one of the things I said as I was sort of walking through the various eras in Hillside's history, um, I said to them, one of the things I read before we started the church was that the hardest, the hardest time for any uh, new endeavor is the beginning. It's the hardest time. You've got you know, to get it off the ground, to get going, and many of you know and you've experienced that in some area of your life. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of truth to it. But I've also learned after now 23 years that it's difficult to keep going as well. I mean, you got to have, in order to push forward and keep going, keep the energy up, keep the vision clear, it takes a lot of energy to do that. Um, Very often, people start with a bang, but they don't finish. So uh, I have something for you to hear, and we played this at the vision night. The guys back there captured some audio of the very first, the second Sunday of Hillside. The very second, the second Sunday we were in existence uh, uh, captured a little audio of the first series we did there. It was about, it was about the church, but here's what it sounds like. I promise, my promise to you is that as long as I have breath, I'll make sure we don't just play church here. I'll keep it before us, right here. And we don't just play around. If we'll just become a team and nobody will play. We will turn the world upside down. Everybody laughed at the sort of... They said, was that just a poor, poor recording? Or was that actually how you sounded? <laughs> I said, no. I, was, I know many of you are like, I'm so glad I wasn't there then. I'm so glad I didn't have to listen to that voice, but that line that I say in there was as long as I have breath, and I can tell you now, I was like second Sunday, and here I am 23 years in, I can tell you, I've run out of breath many times, okay, I've needed like oxygen, uh, because it's, 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 it was tough to get going, but it's just as tough to keep going, so how do you last, uh, how do you keep strong, I want to, uh, we've got, Scott, i hurry. Because I want to take communion at the end. And uh, so I just kind of want to hit some high points on this subject. How do you keep going? How do you keep strong? Um, Well, we turn to our trusted friend and guide and travel guide, Joshua. He's leading God's people to a preferred future. And they've started out with a bang. Uh, They've miraculously crossed the Jordan. They've defeated Jericho. This is a milestone in their world, their first And their biggest battle, or or close to their biggest battle, then by the time you get to chapter 11 in the book of Joshua, you've come a long way, five to seven years of battling. And Israel has been dominant. They've been dominant in Canaan. Uh, And 11 sort of details their victories And if you go and you read through it, you'll see these words repeated over and over. And they were interesting. And I just underlined them in chapter 12. You see words like forces, burn, chase, struck, devote, capture. And you just see a lot of work going on, lots of energy. And by the time you're finished reading it, you're tired. And you're exhausted just listening to what they did over this time. I mean, this is not modern days. Everything was hard. Everything was hard to do. Then you get to chapter 12, and it lists all the kings in the south of Canaan and in the north. 31 kings are conquered in this five to seven years. And when you're done reading it again, you're just overwhelmed and exhausted. One commentator said, the repetitive listing, you got to read it. It reads a little bit boring because it just sounds like a genealogy type of reading, but it's so important, he says the, the, the repetitive listing creates a cumulative effect that's much greater than the sum of its parts. And when you're done, you're just, your jaw drops and there's a moment of silence. It's almost like you can feel that, the weight of what they've accomplished. And I like these two little comments in chapter 11, just realistic, just realistic comments. They go like this. Joshua, speaking of Joshua, he left nothing undone. God told him to do what he did. it, And I just love that line because in the midst of listing all that's going on and the sort of the, it's almost recreating battles that have already been fought. Nothing undone. And then you had this line. And I just love the realism of it. Joshua made war a long time with those kings. He made war a long time. So you could see there was, it was hard work, it was not easy and it took a long time. And you think to yourself, yeah, now's the time to just sort of sit back, look over what God has done for you, and chill out. And that's what you're expecting when you get to chapter 13. So you get to chapter 13, and there's another bit of realism. Joshua, the narrator says, was old and advanced in years. He's just rehearsed his victories, and now it's just admitting he's old. And in fact, Uh, it doesn't say, you're not seeing it here, but it literally says very old. Very old and advanced in years. And so you're starting to see almost that, boy, the the builds and builds and builds to chapter 11, 12, and then you get to 13, you go, let's everybody take a breath. Just admits it right there. And then I love how verse one continues. Don't look at it in your Bible. Keep your eyes up here so you can get, so you can feel the experience of verse one. Because then it says this so the Lord says to him now just ask yourself what do you think the Lord's going to say oh, to the old man what do you think he's going to say got all these victories Joshua you, you know you, the narrator admits you're old God says to him you're old you're old and you're advanced in years I don't know how much more I got in you I don't know you are old you know what, what is it when God says yeah you're old God says you're old You're old. So you're old and advanced in years. And so now you think, what's he going to say? It's a comma. What's he going to add on the end of that? So Joshua, man, go in your tent, buddy. Just roll out that hammock. Whatever you got in there to lay down on, just chill out. You've been been dominant. And uh, this is what you get. And there remains yet very much land to possess. You're very old, there's still very much to do. That's what he says. And you, you just, wow. And this is where you feel what you ought to feel when you're reading Joshua. And you've done all of that and there's more? You mean you're not done? Come on. We've all had that feeling. Raising kids, whatever you're doing. Doesn't matter. Usually, There's more. It's not done. So I love it that it's not over. And then you just sort of learn in Joshua, what's Joshua going to try to do? How does Joshua help us figure out how to get Joshua's to keep going after they've been doing it? How do you continue? Well, here's the first thing, and we've already seen it a little, but let's just look at it real close. Uh, for just a second, uh, for a minute. Uh, first thing you do is you gotta, you got to take a minute and rehearse what God has done because that is very, very important. you got to see how God has worked in your life. you got to see what he's accomplished through. you got to see where he's allowed you to set your feet. It's no coincidence that before God sort of re-envisions Joshua for what's left, he's going to say, hey, just stop and see where God's brought you. And by the way, the Psalms will come right, to this chapter, Joshua 11, later on, Israel will have times when it literally worships God for what it's accomplished in, in, in defeating these kings. Psalm 135 and 136, take a read on your own. They're two sister sort of psalms. They both celebrate all their history to defeating the kings in Joshua. Psalm 135 worships God for his sovereignty every little way he led and when you're rehearsing your life you go I don't know how he did it but he was in control of it all and look where I'm at and then in chapter 136 Psalm 136 it's the focus is God's love endures you'll see it his love never ends it's repeated almost in every verse of the chapter the first one celebrates his sovereignty. The second one is love. Is they're rehearsing what God has done? You see his love for his people, love for Rahab's, and his sovereignty along the way. And when you see those two things together, you rejoice and you go, wow, God, look what you've done. If we did that at Hillside, listen, we were just sort of, Dave and I, uh, yakking a little bit this week about some of the things God's just done in, at Hillside. We've had over 320 people baptized just since we moved into this building. We've had, and we've got 21 to baptize next week. Don't miss next week, whatever you do. Uh, We've had 378 people just this year go through our go classes. We have had 517 people uh, take a next step, uh, actually verbalize they're taking a next step spiritually in their life this year. We started out the beginning uh, of last year with three D groups. That's disciples groups. They're highly committed groups. We have 34 now. Uh, I think there's 119 people involved in those. Uh, for the third straight year, MOPS ministry has reached a capacity. We keep raising the lid, trying to get more people in, and every time we hit it and have to turn people away. Our children's ministry this year, Kids Life and Kids Life Junior, takes 175 to 200 people in here on a Wednesday night involved in that. It's the largest one. It's the largest Wednesday night study we've had with the kids Um, there's 180 women signed up for Bible study this spring Uh, our student ministry had its largest group go to San Antonio this past summer we've actually started working with a third ministry down there Um, 200 kids have been sponsored in our Honduras education alone and now we are working with uh, Kirk and Violetta in India and we'll be able to sponsor. They've just gotten to where their sponsorships for the kids can happen, so we'll be able to uh, sponsor more. Those are just some of the windows. When you look at all those things, and I think of all the planning that went into the time it takes to plan, and then how do you get to here? How do you partner with somebody? How do you set all that up? And I just think of the years, the effort, and the energy, and you go, shouldn't we be done? Shouldn't we be done? Because that's what can happen when you review. When you review, you can easily go, ah, how do you stay motivated? I heard a preacher say sometimes the enemy of a great victory is a good start. You start well, and that's enough. Just, just ask the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> they, they, know, they understand this. Last year's Super Bowl. And, you, and all week long, they're saying to, to hey, how's Philly going to win? What's Philly got to do to win? Well, I'll tell you, it's not really much of a secret. You better, pay, you better play better in the second half than you did in the first. That's all. If you can do that, you, you have a chance. Because, and that's how it is in life. Are you, am I, I'm going to do better the next half. I want to see God do more the next half. You're not saying, I've, I've done as much as I can do. You know, you got to keep it going, and it takes, a, so you can either say when you review, hey, that's enough, or you could say, what's next? What's next? Like God says to Joshua, here's what's next. You need to ask yourself that question. What's next for you? It doesn't matter if the last 40 years of your life or 20 years of your life or 10 years of your spiritual life have gone a certain way. Maybe not great. You still say, God, what's next? They may be great. You still say, what's next? And so the second thing is, is, is just that. Ask What's next? And that's what God does in in verse 2 of this. He says, this is the land that yet remains. And then he goes down to verse 6 explaining, here's what we haven't accomplished yet. We're not done yet. There's tribes that haven't gotten their land yet. We've got more battles to fight. More people to conquer. More promises to fulfill. So get, get on the move. So, that's what God does here. So, I mean, that, this is basically God saying to you, uh, uh, to Hillside, Hillside, don't you want 500 people baptized instead of 318? Don't you want 50 D groups instead of 34? Don't you want 250 kids on Wednesday nights? Don't you? Don't you want to see 200 more kids get sponsored? Don't you want that? In other words, it's like you're not done yet. Cuz people matter to God. And see, here's what happens to Israel. Here's what happens to Israel when they get this. They're tired. They're like any church that's been in existence 23 years or 25 years or 30 years, they're tired. And Israel gets lazy. And so what happens is with this remaining land, many of them decide too much work to kick people out. How about if we just live with them? They just start to settle. So you get to a certain point in your life, you stop really moving hard and you just settle. You just settle. And that's what they did, literally. They didn't drive out the enemies. They lived among them. And if you read the book of Judges, which is next, you see exactly what happens. And I went through Judges this past week too. I just wanted to see what happened. Here's the three lines you'll see repeated, especially at the beginning of the book. They did not drive them out. They lived among them, and they went after their gods. They just, they got weak, lazy. It's a powerful image. And so that's why by the time you get to Joshua, chapter 18 and verse 3, you see Joshua say this to the people. How long will you put off taking the possession of the rest of the land? Because that's essentially what happened. Couldn't motivate them. What are you doing? It's a great spiritual question, by the way. How long are you going to put off the spiritual issues, questions, dynamics, things going on in your How long are you going to put it off? Because here's the thing about this question. Um... If you sort of put it neutral, which Israel did, it's not like all of the victories you've gained remain. Whatever you've accomplished in the past is a great accomplishment, but it's not enough to sustain you now. So what happens is, rather than just stop right where you are with all those victories, maybe you're not progressing but you think, I'll just stay neutral. I'll just stay here on top of all those victories. That's not how it works. You regress. You, you regress. You don't make progress. You don't just sit still. That's the spiritual danger of, de- of pushing off the decision, of waiting, of settling. It doesn't, it doesn't just keep you in the moment. It makes it worse. It makes it harder and harder and harder. That's true of churches and individuals. So if you want to keep going, you've got to rehearse what God has done. You go, his sovereignty and his love motivate me to take what's next. I've got to ask what's next. I can't say that's enough. It's not enough. So I have to ask what's next. And then my favorite part of this, and I'll sort of hurry through it if I can, um, is that all of a sudden in this section of of sort of the bigness of it land and tribes cuz it's and peoples sort of corporate and general in the middle of it in chapter 14 emerges one person we haven't seen him in a while but he's very special in the entire story and his name is Caleb and he's an old guy he's an octogenarian he's in his 80s and All of a sudden, God's going to say, now let me just, it's almost as if God's, let me just take this out of the big picture and drive it home to a person and an individual, to everyone in this room. Because you're sitting in this room and you're thinking corporately and you think about the whole church and you're not quite sure how you as an individual fit in it. A lot of times you hear talks and it just sort of fits into a big group, but it's got to come home to you. It's got to come home to you. And so we get an illustration of it in this old guy and when you look about when you look at his life here's the story of his life in chapter 14 there's a few verses in chapter 15 I'm not going to look at those today but 6 to 15 this is what it looks like and 3 times this is what it says he wholly followed the Lord that's all you really need to know and it didn't matter how old he was. didn't matter how much energy he had left. didn't matter anything. He, he said, that is my goal. In other words, you've got to have a mission. You have got to have something that keeps driving you. And if it's, if it's a healthy spiritual mission, it's never over. You never look at it as, come as far as I can come. It's the kind of thing that goes all the way to the end of your life. You can retire from your job. You never retire from kingdom work. You go out with your last breath. We got a man in this church who drives around a scooter because he can hardly get around, works with little kids, the little, little ones who get around better than he does. And he serves our kids. I'm talking, you can retire from your job. You don't retire from the kingdom, from advancing it, till you draw your last breath. Well, that's him. And, and just look at what happens to him. He says says to Joshua, so you can imagine, Joshua and Caleb are the only two of the last generation. Here's these two veteran old war buddies, have stories that the people that he's with right now don't even know about. What a history. What a rich conversation you would have with these two guys. And Caleb says to the other veteran, Joshua, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Canaanish Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again about, look, what was in my heart. He's reflecting back 40 years, 45 years of what was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me, the other 10 guys uh, who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord. So all of a sudden, you're starting to see what happened. There was a group of people whose hearts disintegrated, melted. There was one guy His heart stayed solid and strong and it was just driven and eat up with mission and never took his eyes off it. And look at, um, we're talking about a guy who went through a lot. Uh, The Lord has kept me alive these 45 more years. So now he's 85 uh, since we walked in the wilderness, he says. And uh, I'm 85 years old now. And he's thinking back. And you don't want to think back as he thinks back. Read Numbers 13 and 14 and you'll hear what happened to Caleb. Poor Caleb and Joshua come back, tell a good story. The other 10 spies tell a bad story. And now they got to stand alone for the entire group. So they had to stand alone. And eventually the people got so angry at them that they picked up rocks to kill them. Do you know that? Joshua and Caleb almost got stoned by their own people because of their stance. And then they had to live for 40 years with the same people who about killed him, accomplishing nothing, wandering out in the wilderness, going in circles and attending funerals. And he still never gave up the vision. He still never gave up the vision. All of that, still never gave it up. It's magnificent. Now he's 85, and you're going to see he's every bit as hungry as he was. Look what happens here. I'm still as strong as I was in that day. This, is a, this old man, ready to go. My strength now is my strength then. And he's really distinguishing the then and the now. That, that now keeps happening in the text. As my strength was then for war and going and coming. And going and coming is a, is a great Old Testament phrase. gets repeated uh, throughout Israel's history. And it, it usually very often means war, going and coming from war. But it also means just everyday duties, just you know, what you got to do every day when you have a mission. You got to get up every day and you got to go and then you got to come back and you got to get up and you got to go. And he says, I'm 85 years old and still got some get up and go. I still got get up and go. That's what he's saying. And then notice what what Joshua does. Joshua blesses him. Joshua's the other guy. You know, Joshua lives till he's 110 in this book. Challenging these people. And he gave him Hebron. Gives Hebron to Caleb. Oh, Caleb, you want to fight? You want it? You got it. I'm going to give you Hebron. All right, what do we got in Hebron? Hebron's going to become your, uh, and and you are wholly following the Lord of Israel. I'm going to give you Hebron. Guess what Hebron was. Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest guy. The Anakim, the people here, these were the very same people who scared the death of Israel or scared Israel to death before uh, the last time. This is the very very same group. Here's 85-year-old Caleb going, I want those big boys that everybody was scared of. And Joshua, this, this is so funny, blesses him with the greatest I'll bless you with Arba. You can fight the big boy. It's so great. Because here's this guy going, yeah, I'm ready for war. I'm ready for him. It's like this guy could see giant possibilities. It's just amazing. So here's the thing. That when I hear this, when I see this in Joshua, I think to myself, the most important thing that happens at Hillside is the picture of Caleb in this text. It's what happens in one guy's heart. Just just let God put something in one person's heart. I don't care how old you are. Let him put it in one person's heart and watch how he advances the kingdom. It's not, well, it's not the corporate deal. It's not just, hey, everybody. No, 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 no. It's one gal stepping up here and saying, me, my husband and I have committed, it's been put in our heart, to take these kids all the way to 12th grade. That's what I'm talking about. Not, hey, hillside, you know, we really ought to help kids. It's got to be put in somebody's heart if it's going to happen. That's how the kingdom advances. That's how God's always done it. Give me one guy. What is 1 Corinthians, or 2 Chronicles 16.9? Is the verse I've had engraved in glass in my office. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro the earth to see whose heart is completely his, wholly his. Just like Caleb. What I need more than anything else is somebody's heart, an individual's heart. Give me a girl, a boy, a man, a woman. Give me somebody's heart. I'll put it in them. And when I do, watch what happens. It's like Scott, who was up here last week, who loves the kids. Committed to seeing them learn scriptures. He he loves it when they learn, because God's put that in his heart. That guy is committed to those kids because that's what's in his heart. You've got to have something in yours. Don't just look at Hillside and say, oh, you need 250 people to help with the guest experience. I'm sure they're in here somewhere. I really hope that happens because I'll tell you what, guests really need to be guided. Good job up there. No, 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 no. It needs to get in your heart. And here's what it's going to sound like. God... I'd like to be here twice a month on a Sunday morning and welcome a person who's showing up here for the very first time and help that person love this church and and find out how to connect to it. Because I don't know why in the world they showed up. When that gets in your heart, guests will be loved. It won't be loved because we hired a staff. It won't be loved because we decided on a great strategy, dates, and it'll happen because it gets put in somebody's heart. that's how you, you, you carry on. You need one of those. You gotta have one of those. So Hillside, that's what I'm praying for. For a heart wholly committed to God because it's got a, it's got a mission because that's how the kingdom advances. Uh, you know, when you have a mission like that, uh, so I, I came across this story. Uh, Michael... Malamed, you might have heard of his name. He's a Venezuelan guy, 39 years old. 2015, he ran the Boston Marathon. But he has a condition that's very similar to muscular dystrophy. So, obviously, he strains to run. He runs slow enough that you can walk next to him with an umbrella if it's raining. We're talking about this particular one was a very cold, wet, rainy, windy Marathon. He started this thing on a Monday, ran for 20 hours at this sort of awkward, uh, you know, I can't think of the word right now. Uh, Yeah, pace. uh, There's another word I'm looking for. But anyway, gate, gate, yeah, awkward gate. And, uh, And they're holding an umbrella under him and they're literally counting every step he takes to the end. He gets to the end and he crosses the finish line and he's running, he tells you he's running for the Boston Children's Hospital that took care of him when he was a kid. That's the one he loves. So at the end of the race, he said, yeah, about mile 24, your brain starts playing tricks on you and, and, and it wants your body to, sh- to just give up. And you gotta push through and then he says, in, and this is his quote, in any marathon, any kind of marathon, just think of your whole life as a marathon. In any marathon, you have to know why you're doing it. And here's what he says. Because in the last mile, the marathon will ask you. Isn't that great? That's exactly right, man. At some point, when you're about to give up, this is when you get the question, why? And if you can't answer that why question, you're not going to make it you're not going to make it. But if you could be filled with with purpose and mission, listen, when I got together a bunch of, uh, uh, some octogenarians in our church, got them together last Sunday. They're not all, some of the guys in this, they're not all 80, 80 or 85 or something. They look like it, but they're not not 85. (laughs) Some of them look like it, but they're not, you know, I won't even guess to make you guess or anything like that. These guys, I tell you what, had them up here it's an incredibly powerful moment. I wanted to talk to him about this campaign and I want you to watch what they said. <laughs>
1: legacy campaign for me uh, is kind of an answer prayer. Uh, I've been searching for the last four years for what I can do to further God's kingdom in a way that will outlast me. And the timing on this is perfect. Uh, have an opportunity to contribute to and participate in something that I know that has the real potential to grow the kingdom for generations. So this is doable for us. This is, uh, I think this is our opportunity to take this land that God gave us and fill it up with children and families and make a difference. It's my feeling that uh, uh, this, this is gonna be one of the smartest And the best programs, campaigns that Hillside's ever done. It's it's not only done at a perfect time, it's going to be an investment in our youth. It's going to be a huge investment for our church. I just think it's so important. Uh, Doesn't mean it won't go without sacrifice. What really excites me about this campaign here at Hillside is the fact that it's for the kids. At a previous church where we went through a very similar campaign, I knew some kids that were at the age that the kids that came in today and last Sunday were at that point in time. Those three of those kids right now are serving as missionaries in Afghanistan, in Kenya and in Mexico it is exciting to hear and see what is happening with their ministries as they report back to to us in the 14 years that Charlene and I have been on the hillside we've seen uh, a lot of changes we've been through several campaigns the the most significant change that I relate to is the size of our family for that reason I think this Lexic campaign uh, will probably be the most significant significant to us and uh, I just invite anybody to make this legacy campaign a part of their legacy. This is really uh, a thrill, thrill for me to be uh, involved in the legacy campaign since we went to first our first campaign I mean, building this church. I, I enjoyed that so much and I, I think that anybody who missed that is going to realize what this church is all about loving current church and everybody looks forward to coming here and i'm looking forward to being involved in the campaign and supporting it as much as i can possible i believe that this legacy campaign is needed very badly because we need a bigger space and a more functional space i think everybody should join in and just uh, give all you can give to this campaign Uh, The way I look at this, I think this is going to be a real growth vehicle for the church. And when that happens, you're going to have more people saved. And I think this is what this is really the bottom line is, is uh, the number of people that are going to be saved. You know, we've, we've really got a good thing going here at Hillside. People are getting saved. Just look at the number of baptisms that we're having. Uh our involvement in missionary work that's on the local level, the regional level, the international level. And we really need to stop and think hard about how are we going to perpetuate this wonderful ministry that we're experiencing here. And I truly think that that we need to be concerned about addressing the needs of our young people and our children. This is a body, and when one part of the body is hurting or or is in need, it definitely affects the rest of the body. And uh, that's why we need to address the needs of our young kids, because they are our future. They are our leaders tomorrow. I haven't been in on any of these campaigns, okay, and I'm sitting here listening to these guys talk about, and I'm getting more excited more excited and more excited. I want to be a part of this campaign, and I've been a fighter all my life, and I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to go, okay? Give it to me, guys. Let's get going. Hillside, we can make this happen. Hillside, we're going to make it. happen. Hillside, we can do
0: this. We have a few other guys like that that weren't able to be a part of this, but, uh, but they're near and dear to my heart. And to spend a little time with them up here, I got to tell you, man, they'll, they'll do something to your soul. Uh, they really gave me confidence and encouraged me a great deal and made me think to myself, Hillside, we, we cannot stop. Seeing their energy, most of them are retired from work, but they're not retired from the kingdom. And, uh, you know, our goal is to have at least 70% of this church be a part of this campaign. If we do that, we'll easily reach the goal. That's, that's lofty. That's really high. It's not easy to attain. Because there's 30% that could be hurting and can't. But every single person here can get a heart mission. 100% of you can have a heart mission. And be committed to this. Doesn't matter what age you are. And at the end of Joshua, Joshua 24, verse 23, you know what the last words he says? Israel, incline your heart to the Lord. Because if he can get your heart, all the rest of it, he has. So let this campaign, this moment that we're about to take communion be an audit of your soul. Ask yourself, an audit of your heart. Do I have a mission? Do I have something that eats me up on side? That I'm going to live for no matter what I'm doing or where I'm at in the world? Because that's the question. There we go. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.